Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 68. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Good day to you, Dr. Woolman. Hello, Christina. Beautiful day to you, too, also. <laughs> <laughs> we are still moving. We are still excited. Yes. Uh, uh, fortunately, Dr. Mikio Sanke has uh, agreed to uh, do another episode with us, as we knew he should and needed to, because we knew that he has so much to offer that we couldn't do it all in one episode. So I, I would suggest... Honestly, I don't think we could even do it in two. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. We may have to have a new whole television series on I, I, Yes, I do believe that. <laughs> right. But for those who have not seen uh, the last episode, I would suggest going to episode 67 to learn about Dr. Mikio Sanki and the books he has written and to get a, a foundation for where, go, where we are going to go today uh, into esoteric acupuncture. So uh, welcome, everybody, and welcome, Dr. Mikio Sanki. Thank you, Dr. Wellman. It's always a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me back again. And Christina, thanks again. And also in the back, uh, Segovia, thank you for your great work. It's beautiful. Uh, great work. being back here. Yeah, yes. He makes it all, he makes us all look good. Well, I, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yes, thank you, Dr. Mikio Sanki, for honoring us again. Oh, oh my pleasures. And you see, we're, we're, we're giving him the subtle hint he needs his own show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just as the medical guide, again, I would like to suggest to everyone where we will go today. Uh, after discussing the foundations, you brought up many topics uh, in esoteric acupuncture, and now we want to delve more deeply into what esoteric acupuncture really is about. So today I want to first uh, talk to you a little bit about how someone can either find an esoteric acupuncturist if they wanted to go to one, or how someone could become an esoteric acupuncturist. Then I want to get into the actual teachings that you do uh, around the world. And uh, in that area, we're going to talk about the sacred geometry, which is so important, and the chakras, which uh, many people probably have some understanding of already. But hopefully at the end of all of this, they'll have a great understanding of esoteric acupuncture, what it can do for all of us, and where we should all be moving in the future. Mm, and How's I that also, sound, Mikio? Oh, sorry. I also wanted to remind our audience, in case you're listening to it, to this through iTunes or anything of the sort, there are slides that are going to be following along with this presentation. So you might just want to come online and just check that out as well. Thank you. Uh, good point. Uh, I think of that a lot because sometimes I listen to the shows after the shows, and I do listen to them on podcasts and iTunes. And for many of our shows, we don't have slides, but we're fortunate to have a true international teacher and lecturer with us who is naturally coming with a good PowerPoint program. So, Mikio, let's let's start right away uh, with a few just simple uh, things. One, if somebody wants to find an esoteric acupuncturist, how do they go about doing that? Well, look on the website, www.esotericacupuncture.com, and there is a section that uh, mentions practitioners. 
Now, these are not just acupuncturists. Uh, if you are some kind of energy healer using crystals or tuning forks, um, we, we list the modality. So uh, it's growing. It's growing. There's actually maybe another 40 names we still haven't put up there yet. We don't have their, their uh, correct uh, website and emails, so they'll, they'll be there. They'll be up in the next 10 days or so. Uh, but you know you can hear, find acupuncturists in Canada and around America, even in uh, uh, Amsterdam area, and uh, quite a few in Australia area. Ah. And those are places you've gone to bring your teachings, the esoteric teachings, right? Yes. It seems like um, Australia is you know, the most hungry for the information. They have an interesting uh, country there. It's about the size of the United States. But less people than California, so it seems wow. like they kind of like network, you know, uh, more than we maybe we do here. So maybe there's a paradox. Even though they're down under, they may be higher up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Melbourne's got a very, very high, high spiritual energy there. That's where I usually go. I'm going to go back there again uh, in September. How do people find out about your courses? Uh, it's listed in uh, again in the, um, the website. website. I do not send emails out. I don't have a flyer. So it's basically, if you're interested, you know, you find it through the website. <clears throat> In order uh, to be on the website, you'd have to have taken uh, one of some of the uh, intensive workshops. I have different levels where they're one-day workshops, and then I have intensive workshops. So basically, in order to be listed, you have had, had taken levels one and two at least, which are, are four days of intensive workshop. This includes, besides the lecture, and also hands-ons where I will give a demonstration, and then the acupuncturists or the, the other practitioners would go around and practice on each other, and I, I will watch them as they're doing the needling. Mikio, in, in our last episode at the beginning, you mentioned about how this all began, where you were getting messages and in your meditations, you were seeing things and, uh, and you see things that a lot of other people don't. And I don't necessarily want to discourage people thinking, well, if I don't see things, if I don't see auras, or if I don't see energy levels, therefore I cannot be an esoteric acupuncturist. Uh, that's not true, is it? They no. can become something like that without having that vision. Well, what I'm trying, to, I'm trying to encourage everybody is to open up that right brain. You know, the more degrees you have, the more uh, left brain you've used. And so sometimes we get locked in that rational, you know, in intellectual academia uh, mindset where it's all left brain, left brain. But uh, if you can't see the energies, I'm, I'm trying to encourage people to intuit it. Go to the heart, go, not the gut gut feeling but the heart feeling the heart intuition um and then there's other ways i teach pendulums uh some people may poop off pendulums but uh, pendulums are a very very effective and accurate way to uh see if chakras are imbalanced or balanced um, some people like to use their hands they can uh, see the heat or the coldness coming through an area or you can use kinesiology if you uh, like muscle testing or O-ring. Those are the um, alternatives. So those will work as well. So someone who doesn't have that ability, at least at the beginning of their training, uh, can still practice excellent esoteric acupuncture. Yes. The reason I, I suggest um, 
the pendulums is that if you do pulse diagnosis or tongue diagnosis, like we were taught in, in uh, acupuncture schools, that's the physical level. The chakras are on the astral level. But remember, there's different levels of the astral. Initially, we're working with the lower levels, but uh, eventually people like yourself and Christina have been coming for a while. We were working with the higher levels, which is actually past that astral into the higher realms of consciousness. So let's let's move right into higher levels of consciousness. I think that's where we want to go. So let's let's start with uh, one of the most important aspects, at least the way I look at it, is the sacred geometry that came to you and then became translated or transformed into where the needles were placed. Let's start talking about the sacred geometry so that people get an understanding of of this. Okay. First of all, you know, as a practitioner, where are we taking this medicine? Where are we taking this modality in the future? We're being uh, really heavily, heavily dictated and influenced by the pharmaceuticals to uh, follow the Western academic, Western pharmaceutical role model, and which is really not our power. For people that are interested in, in that uh, uh, journey, I think it's great. But acupuncturists as a group, that is not our power. So we are the ones that are going to move acupuncture in the future, not the schools tell us how we're going to move the acupuncture and where we're going. If you just think back in the uh, 70s, you know, just a few decades ago, you always heard the stories of um, some little Chinese lady in Chinatown, Los Angeles, or some older man in Chinatown, San Francisco, getting hauled away because they're using needles and practicing without a license. And um, so from the 70s, uh, some, of the, some of the more, uh, how can I say, expansive minds at Berkeley and UCLA started, uh, you know, delving into Eastern philosophies and uh, started thinking about acupuncture. And so by the late 70s, early 80s, there was a few acupuncture schools developing. By the early, third, early 80s, if you went to school, you were considered a certified acupuncturist. So you had your name, CA. And then it wasn't, it wasn't until the mid or a little later on in the uh, 80s where acupuncture went to a higher level and we were considered licensed. So we had to go through a state licensing board. So if you go back, you know, let's just say 88, 87, that, that time frame, it's only around 25 years or so that we went from, you know, just a certification process into being recognized as primary healthcare practitioners. So how, where are we going to take this art? So one of the basic uh, premises of the acupuncture, and you, you can't really separate it, is the sacred geometry. The very first day of school, I was kind of bored with the lecture, so. That's hard to imagine. I, just, I started to say, okay, so I just started counting up all the acupuncture points, and I came up with 361. And the very first thought in my mind was 19 by 19. But I said, well, maybe let me count it again, just to make sure. You know, 360 makes more sense, or, or maybe 365 makes more sense. So I counted it again. There's 361, and I, I kept going back to that 19 by 19. So that night after school, I went and checked all the acupuncture books we had, and it was like, yeah, 361. 
And I wasn't quite sure of it yet, but I knew that 19 by 19, 19 times 19 meant something. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure yet. And so um, I, I, through meditation, I was shown this idea of 361. It's a, it's a 361, 361 morphs into the sacred geometry. So if you look at the first picture of the uh, sacred geometry, uh, <clears throat> you will see some waves moving into a dot. The, the waves are are um, this one. This, this, the waves symbolize the, uh, the the wavy lines symbolize um, somewhat the idea of superstrings. When you talk about superstrings, you know, it's a hundred billion billion times smaller than a proton. So people have uh, mathematically proven that okay, there's something exists at that level, and when the superstrings compactify later it becomes something which we call particles so the, from the from the waves we became it becomes particles and the next slide shows it's just a representation of okay now we have a lot of particles and this is the idea of chaos from uh chaos something else starts and so i had this um idea they put this put this circle in the middle now six, you see the six. Uh, there's six dots around the circle, and there's something with six in our world that's really interesting. Emoto's work uh, with the water, where he goes around the water and he'll he figure out a way to freeze the water, and uh, he'll take a picture of a water or get some water out of a pond, take a drop out, and you know say I love you or something really nice. And in the uh, drop of water is like a snowflake, but perfect uh, form stars, six points. The same water, he says something or thinks something negative, and that same water, it's all just kind of shriveled up. So, you know, there's something with this idea of six. In the Hebrew, um, the, they say, barashif, abreshif, it means from, in beginning created six. So, there's six is some kind of a magical number. Uh, in our uh, world. And, and I'll bring that into Buckminster Fuller's in one of the slides uh, later on. So from that one uh, slide that we just uh, showed with the uh, circle, uh, the line across the middle, it also incorporates the idea, the slide before this, um, the idea of as above, so below, also as within, so without. So as we move into the next slide, it's uh, we see six circles surrounding one. Now, this is kind of interesting mathematically. If you take any circle of any uh, diameter and you uh, get a single circle and you add circles around it, why is there just six? You know, why wasn't there something else? So mathematically, there's some kind of energy created with this idea of the number six. Now remember, in the beginning, created six. Okay, so with the next slide, we go into this idea of uh, there's six surrounding one. Now, you have to be able to understand six surrounding one is also encompassed in the idea of 361 acupuncture points because if you see later, you'll see there's three uh, tetrahedrons going into the center. There's six dots on the outside. 
So 361 is all tied in with, this is all tied into the mathematics and the energetics of acupuncture. In order to understand sacred geometry, you have to be able to see uh, figures sometimes twisted, sometimes morphing over, sometimes they're flopped, and I call it like flop transition, something has changed. And then you also have to know how to divide the numbers. 361, you don't uh, add it up like uh, Gematria, like 3 and 6 is 9, and then 1, and then it becomes 10. 1 is the male, 0 is the female. It's, you have to learn how to, uh, or intuit how to organize the numbers. So with the 361, we're not adding them up together. With this 361, it's three tetrahedrons within six dots, all pointing to the one. So the next slide, um, with the same six dots on the outside, we're going to, you can now, on a, instead of going from a two-plane, staying on a two-plane, we went from the Euclidean two-plane into a three-dimensional, and now you can see the axis. There's a, a XY going this way, and then a, a Z axis going up. So now we have six directions going outward. But if you go inward also, we have 12 directions. So from this 361, now we're, uh, we added the number 6, but we also added number 12. And from the 12, always there's hides something else, which is the 13th. So the, so the 13th point is actually an acupuncture point on the top of the head. Uh, we learned it in school as um, byway, do 20. But the esoteric do 20 is different than the byway. I call it Tianman. Tianman means celestial fullness. So if this slide, if you look at this slide, this will show how the 361, the 6 surrounding 1, is also the uh, impetus or the uh, uh, guiding factor with the uh, most important posterior uh, pattern. So we have the, the six points surrounding the center, and uh, <clears throat> the four points on the top of the head are called Shishenzhong. And in Chinese, uh, in acupuncture school, we're taught that headaches on the top is Yin, which is liver. But we're not interested in liver, we're interested in the heart. Shi Shenshong is four spirits. And in this next book, uh, the lead pattern is called The Hun Follow the Shen. And although in five elements the liver is the mother of the heart, in a, in a harmonized pattern, a harmonized system, the wood, which is considered the general, actually bows down to the emperor. And so the liver follows the heart, not the other way around. The, the, the heart does not follow the liver. So in the same token, when we have this idea of the acupuncture points on the top of the head, we've moved it back slightly from the, from the traditional way. And if you see the bottom picture, there's um, uh, seven points. You know, it's still the same as six surrounding one, but now you see it elongated. It's not quite, it's not quite the same. Now, this is also uh, a basis of um, acupuncture. If you look at the back of this head, the figure on the back of the head, from the two points behind the ear going to the top and going to this point below the occipital protuberance, uh, you see a triangle pointing upward and a triangle pointing downward. So the basis of uh, 
integrating Chinese medicine with sacred geometry is in the esoteric system, the triangles that point upward are fire, the triangles that point downward are water, which are the opposites, fire and water. <clears throat> the, the idea, one of the basic premises of esoteric acupuncture is rebalancing Xiao Yin, but it's esoteric Xiao Yin, not the same Xiao Yin as in the Shanghan Lun, but it's balancing um, heart and kidneys. Now, there's a little difference between the, uh, esoteric acupuncture thinking and the Chinese thinking of the yin-yang symbol. Everybody knows the yin-yang symbol with the black and the white, and it's separate when it's stagnant. When it's moving, it's, it's, it's moving. You can't, tell, you can't differentiate because it's going to be like a gray color. The black is the water. The white is the fire. So the thinking is the fire offsets the water. The heart is, is the fire. The water is the kidneys. And they say that the heart controls joy or happiness. Kidneys control fear. And we say that's the balance. But is that the most correct way we can think about that? There's no way happiness is going to offset fear. Joy is not going to offset extreme fear. The only thing that's going to offset fear is love. So in esoteric acupuncture, instead of saying the heart uh, controls just joy or happiness, we're saying it controls love because love is a fundamental frequency. In the first... Um, uh, segment, you know, we talked about one of my searches is to go back to the most fundamental, the most fundamental. And so for humans, uh, in, in my thinking, the two most fundamental emotions are fear and love. So from love comes all the other tentacles, like the forgiveness and the joy, the happiness, having fun, uh, trust, etc. And then from fear comes all the other anger, poor me, envy, etc. So that's, that's a slight difference between uh, the way I think and the way it's taught in like five element school. But if, so if you look, go back to that same uh, figure, you'll see <clears throat> the four at the very top. If you look at the, the, the figure, the, 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 man's, the back of the man's head, we see some triangles pointing upward, triangles pointing backwards, and then the, another set of triangles pointing upwards, triangles pointing backward. So later on, this 361, we have two sets of heart and kidneys. But if you, if you uh, look at the, uh, the way the points are set up, it's really an asymmetrical figure eight. The top eight is a little bit smaller th than the, big, the bottom one, but still a figure eight. So in uh, the esoteric teachings, uh, the figure eight is the uh, symbol of infinity. So that's how we got the name crown infinity pattern. So this is the beginning of how the acupuncture is going to start fitting into sacred geometry. So just just so that I'm clear on this, as you're going through these uh, visions of the geometry and the numbers and everything else, those are are working their way into becoming acupuncture points for esoteric uh, acupuncture, whereas the meridian points are for traditional acupuncture. Is that correct? That's correct. Remember, uh, we said in the first show, acupuncture, the, the, <clears throat> the meridians are on the etheric level. 
the etheric level is just above the skin and it goes into the skin, but it's on the etheric level. If we make a visualization, we're, we're also working on the mental level, which is two levels up. So we have the etheric, we have the astral, then we have the mental. So we're actually just layering different um, levels of consciousness on top of the patterns. And remember we said earlier also that uh, on the other show, these have, to, these have to be in a certain sequence. So when you do a certain sequence, something else opens up. So we, go, was, to, we go to the next uh, picture. From this 361, now these are all viewing things and, you know, more, more, mm, it, it, there's more to it than this meets the eye. So 361, now we have this figure. Looks like the Chinese checkers game. <clears throat> but if you look at it, we have triangle pointing upward, a triangle pointing downward. So we again looped in the Shaoyin, esoteric Shaoyin, heart and kidney. And from this is the beginning of moving into the platonic solids from these six surrounding one. So we move to the next. Uh, slide here. We're starting to see this uh, still six surrounding one, but now we have it in a little different, uh, more more complex connections, and we see the cube uh, within it. So the cube in this also, besides the two triangles. <laughs> we go to the next uh, the next slide. And this is uh, this shows you the different platonic solids. We have the tetrahedron, the cube, the octahedron, um, and then the next slide will show the dodecahedron, icosahedron. So those are the platonic solids. And I heard that some mathematician um, with some new math figured out another platonic solid. Hmm. But you know, for general, for the general public, we only know those five. But if you go back to the picture with the uh, tetrahedron, that first, uh, the tetrahedron within the uh, the next slide, <clears throat> uh, next slide, the tetrahedron at the top. If you count <clears throat> the vectors, the vectors are the edges. We have six. Remember we talked about the number six? How important six is? <clears throat> Excuse me. Buckminster Fuller said. Six is the minimum number that is that you need in order to make a structure. Now, a structure has to have insideness and outsideness. Remember, we said in Hebrew, "In the beginning, created six. So, the tetrahedron is a symbol for consciousness, because this idea of insideness and outsideness—that is the spark. This is okay. This is consciousness. So, again, we go back to the same idea of this three-six-one. The, the six. So that's why tetrahedrons are so important uh, in esoteric acupuncture. Every time you make a triangle, it's really hiding a tetrahedron. You may not see the other three vectors, but there's actually, every time there's three, there's always a six. Three hides the other three. So we continue uh, moving on to the next slide. Okay, now we have the same, now we're gonna get a little bit more complex now. So within this six surrounding one, remember we're able to organize these numbers in any way we want. So in this particular uh, uh, diagram, we have a cube within a cube. It's a cube on, on cube within a cube. You see that inside small 
uh, central part, if you look at it three-dimensionally, it's a cube on top of a cube. The top cube is physicality. Excuse me, the top, top cube is spirituality, which is the heart. The bottom cube is physicality, which is the kidneys. And again, we have Shaoyin, which is the heart and kidney. So you're starting to see how everything in esoteric acupuncture goes back to that balancing the heart and the kidneys. We go to the next uh, level. Now we see within this 361, the center, whenever there's a center, there's always some kind of extra energy being created. Sometimes you have extra energy on the outside, centrifugal, which are the six points, but also something changes on the inside. So, when, so from the next uh, diagram sh shows that um, we are now starting to awaken what I consider this God seed. It's just this consciousness. And it turns into these uh, three tetrahedrons around the center, which is three, six, one. Th there's six points on the outside, three tetrahedrons going into one. We go to the next uh, slide here. Now with this uh, 361, we are now starting to move into the idea of um, there's some kind of inner seed. So from, from the, and the next slide will show that from this inner seed, now we have the flower of life. Now if you mm. follow the flower of life out far enough, uh, which I didn't show in this picture, but if you show it far enough, uh, follow it out, uh, it it becomes 19 by 19, you know, 19. It's not just flat, layered out. So again, we hear that number 19 by 19. Mm. So the logical next step is now the flower of life, we have the tree of life, Kabbalah, the tree of life. So if you go down the center, we have the tree of life, Kether, Hakma, Bina, etc. Within that concept of flower of life, now blossoming into, if we want to see the three centers again, we had the center line, Shushumna. Uh, it's, it's a little different than our Dew channel, which is in the back. Ida and Pingala, uh, these are uh, Dew connecting channels that go up the back, but they're you know, connected to what's called the Nadi system in the uh, Hindu system. And then you see the lines going to the right on that diagram. Um, and those are chakra system. So now we're adding other systems within this acupuncture. So I like people think of acupuncture as micro chakras. There are many chakras, and then there are major chakras. And this is how we get into the idea of, you know, incorporating chakras into the traditional Chinese thinking. But uh, that really is good. And I have to say to any of you that may be on iTunes now, uh, you're you're missing a lot. And I think for this particular show, you need to go and watch this. And, and I have a feeling that you're going to have to watch it many times to get it or go out and buy the books so that you can see them because the sacred geometry may uh, be a little complex. But when you almost look at it with without looking at your left brain and start looking with your right brain and you see how it does connect and the images in there and how they can fold, then, then a lot more of it makes sense. So I really encourage people to specifically watch this one on the show and watch it many times. Before we go into, are you ready to talk about the chakras? Uh, this, let's go over this couple more slides and we'll move into the chakras. Okay. 
so the next slide after the uh, this is uh, the yantra. So this is the same three six one six surrounding one, but now you're seeing that uh, there's more connections. <clears throat> Think of our body as a antenna. You know, they say water uh, water is a good transporter of electricity. And our body is what? At least 70% blood. We're going to babies even more. So this yantra, this idea of a yantra, the Hindu yantra, you stare into something and something something transforms. But by doing the esoteric acupuncture patterns, we become a yantra. And this is just symbolic of the same sacred geometry moving into a more global and even more solar type of energy. In the last slide uh, in this section, is this is what we're trying to accomplish somewhat. We're trying to get this idea of this energy moving straight up <clears throat> our head, which is called the Antakarana. And that's the name of my next book, Antakarana. And when you see that Antakarana straight in the center like that, that means your chi has arrived. It's the concept of a dachi. Now, dachi is taught in acupuncture schools, but it means you put a needle in a spot and you keep either twisting it or thrusting it or somehow getting energy to come to this point. And I think that was great in the olden days, you know, Piscean there and in Asia. If you're an acupuncturist, newly licensed acupuncturist, I highly uh, recommend do not do that on your clientele. They will not come back. Over the years, I've had at least 30 people tell me, Oh, I heard about you and your wife. You're really gentle acupuncturist. Uh, I went to this other one, and, he, and I thought I was getting tortured. And he kept putting the needle in, and he said, did you feel it? Did you feel it? Yes, 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 yes. And they kept thrusting and thrusting and turning. And, and afterwards, when they asked me, do you want to make another appointment? I just said, no, I'll call you. And, I'm, and I decided I'm not going back there. So this whole idea of the arrival of chi, <clears throat> the esoteric arrival is not the chi in one small spot. It's a chi in your overall system. So when you have that lined up, the da chi, arrival of chi means your chi has arrived, which means now you are in your center path, ready to make that next journey, next step in your journey. So that's, the, that's one of the goals of the esoteric acupuncture, puts you in your center. Very nice. Go ahead. So we're going to start with the chakras. You want to go into the chakras well, right now? Well, uh, no, I wanted to... Uh, just mention something for a moment, and then we can go into the chakras. Uh, one of the things that when I have gone to other acupuncturists in the past, it's it seems very passive for me where I would lie down on my abdomen or on my uh, back and needles would be placed and rotated and things like that, and then I would just relax into it. But when I do it with you, and I'm assuming that everyone does the same thing i could be wrong on this but as you put in each needle you bring me into the process itself where i picture the needle going in and then as you start creating the sacred geometry you have me connecting also so i'm developing those triangles in my mind or in my consciousness while they're being connected and i try and keep that energy and as you add more and more needles and more and more sacred geometrical uh patterns all of those are being connected and that whole process seems to be 
a good point and point is I'm not being <laughs> unlike <laughs> that seems to be a major part of this. It's, it's not a passive process. People have to become active with you. Well, usually the first and, and maybe second, third, fourth, depending on the, on the client, I'll have the person make the connections as I'm putting the needles in. And again, this reinforces their, um, their energy or their chi at those spots and then overall. And by visually, in their mind, it, this is also another way to uh, get another layer of understanding your clientele. If a person has a little difficulty making the visualizations, then you will, you know, in your own mind, like in my mind, I'll say, okay, uh, if they have a difficult time, I will just do it for them. But I also know that they're not bicameral. You're trying to get everybody into a bicameral type of, you know, both hemispheres mm -hmm. working. People that can visualize very, very quickly, you already know that it's, the treatment's going to go a little bit further because that right side is already open. But even if they can't um, uh, do it very quickly, it, the, the actual attempt to, the visual, to do the visualization is really going to start opening up that right brain, which is going to open up your imagination, <laughs> which is opening up another aspect of the hun, which is the liver. So the visualization uh, is very, very important because, you know, I said the hun, which is part of the liver, is so intimately connected to the heart. So when they're able to, to visualize things with that right brain, then they're able to see things with not their physical eyes, but it's that it's that inner sight. So yes, I do have them making the connections, and um, at least the first couple times when they come in. And and I think another thing that you and I have discussed on various occasions is <clears throat> that once you establish some kind of a pattern with people and they understand that pattern, sometimes uh, even if they're not around you and getting the needles, they can still visualize as if you were putting the needles in and make the connections themselves. Yes, that, yeah, that's correct. And you'll, you'll make that uh, connection because that memory is already there. You know, there are certain modalities where they touch different parts of your body and they say, okay, there's something stored there. Right. Well, there's something already stored uh, at those sites. So once you make the visual connections one time, or even if you don't, once I put the needles in you in your in your body, if you just say I want this certain pattern, you can actually get it back in your system. It'll it'll encode again, re-encode your system. That's the beauty of uh, acupuncture. <laughs> That's true. Especially if you have the patterns. If you have a set pattern, it's easier than if you do a random. Traditional, because oh, which points did I use? Well, these are actually specific patterns. Right, definitely. When you have that set pattern, Christina, any uh, thoughts on sacred geometry so far mm. before we move into chakras? I do, I do, um, uh, Doctor Sankey. You know, uh, you also have. Um, you know, I, I'm not an acupuncturist, and and yet I know that time when I was doing a lot of body work, uh, I would actually follow a lot of your patterns with with oils or just pressure points? I mean, do you find that, uh, and I found the results amazing, uh, how the body would open up as I would be doing my massage. I mean, do you find a lot of people attempting to do that and, mm. and asking you of, of that level of uh, working with your patterns? Yes. You know, especially, like I said, in uh, Australia. Last year when I went to Australia, at the advanced level we had, I think something like 55 people, something like that. About a third were non-acupuncturists. Wow. And 
they were using oils and um, selenite and crystals and tuning forks and, you know, different things, magnetic pellets. Uh, you don't need to use acupuncture in order to do this type of treatment. The oils that um, that you have on your website, the astral oils, I actually um, put that together with uh, Dr. Yuri Kron. <clears throat> He's a biophysicist from Russia. And I kind of met him in an odd way. He had heard about my work. And um, I think someone, he mentioned my name. In, a, in some lecture, I think Las Vegas or somewhere, and someone had happened to know about me, so gave Dr. Cron my number, and he called me, and I called him. So in, in, anyway, we hooked up, and uh, we had we had an interesting talk. I had to, I had to go see this guy. When I heard his voice, I said, oh, "I have to go see you." And this is something I don't even think he knows what happened this one day. We we went we had a um, little discussion for a couple hours. Really nice, right? He was living in a Joshua Tree at the time, and I was living in L.A. So I went to see him because a couple hours away, something like that. <clears throat> so then he called later and said, hey, why don't you come spend um, a weekend with us and we can work on a project. So down the line, a few months down the line, we said, okay, so I was going to spend a couple of days, maybe two or three days with him and he and his wife. And uh, <clears throat> so we go there on an afternoon, very nice afternoon. There was another gentleman there. And so we're talking about, oh, getting together some kind of a project, energy project, and we came up with the idea of oils, these astral oils. <clears throat> and he had uh, some books in, uh, the, in Russian books that I had never seen on Kabbalah, and different, uh, diff a different type of books on, on the Tree mm -hmm. of Life. So we decided, okay, the oils have to be made out of some kind of organic tree oil, and we're going to layer certain things in these oils. And so we said, okay, we'll probably uh, layer a color depending on the chakras. And he had a book on the uh, uh, biochemical elements that go with the periodic, periodic chart of elements. So we're going to overlay lay some of these elements in the oils also. And, uh, you know, the difference between his oils, and it's, uh, he's the one who created the oils. I helped with the idea. We create, the, create these oils together. Is that his comes from non-physical to non-physical. Homeopathic oils are from physical to non-physical. So these astral oils, the, the, uh, that um, the esoteric acupuncture astral oils, are really start at a higher level. So anyway, this one particular uh, day I'm there, and so we had dinner at their house, really lovely dinner. The wife Constance, really sweet, great lady. Somewhere around 10 o'clock or so, 9 o'clock, I just had this, this thing, got to go home right now. And so I think it was around 10 o'clock, I'm not sure. <clears throat> so I said, oh, I'm sorry, I have to leave. And they were kind of startled. I had really planned to stay. And it wasn't their company. The company was great. It just said something said, go home now. <clears throat> in those days, I used to uh, meditate in a steam room. I would go to this, maybe... 28 days out of the month at steam. That's where I'd meditate. And that's where I got most of the patterns in the steam room. So this particular time, I'm going, okay, there's such a strong urge to go back home. So I'm driving back. I'm thinking, okay, I got to go meditate. And what happens? There was a U2 concert letting out. And oh. I didn't know that. I'd, I'd never really followed U2, but it was a <coughs> rock concert right by the Coliseum. And so I'm going through L.A. And all of a sudden, it's like bumper to bumper. 
And I'm going, hey, what the heck's going on? This is like, you know, 12, 12, 30. What's going on? So anyway, I get back to my house, go into the steam room, and I said, okay, let's, let me go to a good spot. I dropped in that spot very quickly. Next thing I know, it's something like uh, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes had gone by, and it was like super hot. I was like burning up. <laughs> so I got out of the steam room. I'm like, wow, that is like hot. And then get a piece of paper, and all everything was downloaded that night within <sighs> the next couple of minutes. All the... So I called uh, Dr. Cron the next, Yuri the next day and said, oh, this is what we should do. Da, 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 da. So I never really told him that story, but that's how these oils, astral oils, came about. Mm. It would be great for us if you call them and don't tell them the story. Tell them to watch this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's how that, those oils came about. So those are something I would really highly recommend. They're really, people have, many people have used those oils, mm. and they've uh, uh, called me back. Great feedback. Really, really high vibrational oils. And, you know, remember the people that are going to use oils, your clientele has to be very sensitive. The people that are that little more dense would want to feel something like the needle or something. But if you're going to use the oils, uh, make sure your clientele is at that real sensitive level. You can use oils plus acupuncture needles. You can use oils mm. plus tuning forks. You can use oils plus crystals or selenite or whatever types of uh, tools you want. But uh, that's a, that's another very effective alternative to the acupuncture. Mm. Mm, thank you. <laughs> that was a nice answer. Thank you. <laughs> so we're ready to uh, uh, talk about chakras, sure. correct? Okay. Yeah, let's talk about chakras. Yeah. Okay, in my opinion, chakras are going to be the next step. It's already happening a little bit. Uh <clears throat> that chakras will be the next step that acupuncturists will start delving into. And it makes, it makes sense because it's just layered on top of the, the thinking and the points of acupuncture. So what I've done is I've uh, I studied many different acupuncture theories from the Hindus to a lot of the Americans to, uh, I mean, many, many, dozens and dozens and dozens of people's theories and you find, if you read these books, oh, this is a little bit different, this is a little bit different, this is a little bit different. So what I've done is I've tried to put these together in a format that's most understandable and usable for acupuncturists. Nice. For, for example, in the solar plexus chakra, you don't, um, most of the time it's, it's uh, uh, the spleen. <clears throat> Although in Ledbetter's system, the spleen is the second. Uh, but anyway, in the system, esoteric acupuncture system, we also added liver. So liver is uh, connected with the spleen for the emotions. Some people say the second chakra is emotion, but I'll explain why I put emotions in the third. So when we start, start with the uh, chakra system, uh, we start with red. And red is the root chakra. And red is an interesting color because red really means vitality move, go forward. What are, what is our stop signs in America? <clears throat> Do you think someone did something, was that by just a coincidence? Or was that by plan? Because really red means to go, yet all of our stop signs um, are red, not all. If you go to the higher districts in New York, uh, the Hampton areas, they're green. <clears throat> so. 
Uh, red is the color of vitality. If you notice in the um, red is also a color of wanting to be recognized. Um, a while back in LA, it seemed like every other woman had red hair. Uh, I guess in the, in the 80s, you know, something everybody was dying to hit. I want to be recognized. And, uh, you know, there's a certain psychology of people with uh, red cars. Uh, but red means vitality to go. This is the root chakra. This, the key word for root chakra is day-to-day -day survival. What am I going to do today? What do I have to do today? It's the area of fight or flight. It's the area of me. Everything revolves around me. I'm the most important thing around. So think of a baby. When a baby is born, they don't care if the mother just went to bed or I wet my diaper. I want, to, want my diapers changed. You know, I'm hungry. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I want to get fed. So that's the idea of this root chakra, fight or flight. Men, we're good at this uh, fight or flight. We don't like to talk about things. We'll talk about it later. So we we escape. But the higher level of the root chakra is, like we said earlier in the support the mountain uh, section last last week, that it moves to the back of the head. So the uh, root chakra also has a much much higher frequency moving into connecting with the Ajna center. The next chakra is uh, orange and the key words for for the second chakra relationships money sexual energy and how you view yourself or how you want other people to view you in the world those are the four main and if you think about the people that come for treatments most of the people will have some of those types of issues. Why do you think we have so much problem with uh, prostate in America? It's not just the, the uh, steroids in the beef and pork, but something to do with the sexual energy. Uh, relationships. If someone comes to you for a period of time, and I see that a lot with women, once they get to trust you and know you, so you start thinking about and they start and they start revealing things it's interesting how many times it's relationships or lack of a relationship they're not getting along with their spouse they're not getting along with whoever they're living with or i don't have somebody so that's uh that's second chakra orange orange is also a great color to help bring down the sexual energy that's why we see a lot of uh swamis or some of the, the sadhus with that orange type of saffron it helps to uh, bring down that sexual energy so second chakra is now me and someone else whereas root chakra was just me second chakra is me and someone else so it's relationships okay now we move into the third chakra well money put up which is a solar plexus now some people put the solar plexus right at the umbilicus I like to put it a little bit higher, but either way, it's, it's, just a, it's just an area that stores information. The third chakra is yellow, and yellow symbolizes spiritual courage. But isn't it interesting, in America, uh, the yellow means you're a coward. Mm. You have a yellow streak running down your back, yet in the esoteric world, it means courage. 
Yellow is a, a great color for people that are into the uh, more physical for, re for releasing things. Anything yellow will help you to eliminate things. Um, colon problems are a really big issue in, uh, in America. So any kind of yellow foods. Uh, if you look at some of the herbs that are uh, used for downward purging, Cascara Sagrada has a slight yellow tinge. Turkey rhubarb is yellow. So yellow is a good uh, color to release things, but it's also yellow is a great color for the brain and just uh, cerebral growth. And uh, the, the energies around the solar plexus is the liver and the, and the spleen. Now, the, one of the key, this is the emotional chakra, but one of the key words I'd like you to remember is digestion. Because we went from the me to the we and finances, uh, sexual energy, to now the third chakra is emotions and digestion. We have a big problem in America. It, you know, uh, people are taking Tums and Rolaids and all the other digestive aids. Um, every time I eat, I have a little gas, I have a little upset stomach. So, you know, digestion is a really big issue in America. But it's not just digestion of food. How are you digesting life? In this earth energy, if you understand the five elements, the heart leads into the earth. So when you have uh, you know, difficulties or you have some kind of uh, challenges with the, the digestion, in the five element model, that means you're also going to be pulling energy from the heart. So we're going to have some kind of heart issues also. So the third chakra is how are you digesting life? And what in a, a big problem in America is diabetes. Uh, yeah, Dr. Wolman, you know that's how many you know every day so many thousands of people are being uh, diagnosed with diabetes. It's not just the sugar. It's um, we're not getting sweetness in life. We're not getting sweetness to help the heart. Mm -hmm. So we're substituting some other kind of sweetness. And people eat emotionally. You know, when I'm upset, I'll do this or I'm going to drink. And it's all, alcohol is all sugar. So that's all this emotional energy is coming into the third chakra. Can I ask you a question about of course. that? Uh, for me, I, just like before when you talked about you are what you eat and then people said you are what you absorb and you went beyond that. When I look at the digestion process in the third chakra, I also think about it as assimilation, not just the digestion, but the assimilation of things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, we do assimilate in that area. It's the small intestine. Now, moving up to the most important chakra um, for most people, that's the Anahata. That's the heart chakra. That's the one that's green. <clears throat> It's in the solar plexus area. And green is a um, very, very, very healing color. How many times have you been really upset and you walk, went out to the woods and you felt so much better? Or if, you're, if you uh, have the luxury of having a backyard, you go outside in your backyard and walk on the grass. Or you have some trees in your backyard. It's, it just changes. You had a rough day at work in LA with the freeways. Been on the freeways for two hours get around green it's like something changes so green is a very 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 healing energy and it's the color of the heart that's why i'm so persistent on people coming make sure you eat your greens make sure you eat your greens hmm. uh, arugula is one of my uh very very favorite uh foods 
several years ago, an <clears throat> uh, ex-student of mine came up to the parking lot, and I had seen her, I used to teach her maybe, I don't know, six or seven years earlier, uh, and she was pregnant at the time, and, and, and during the class I kept telling people, eat your arugula, eat your arugula, you know, arugula's a little bitter, it's the same, it's good for your heart. And so she said, hey, so she calls my name, and I said, oh, do you remember me? I said, sure. And she said, so she had, she had another baby, and she had a son. And she said, hey, this is my son. I was carrying him when, you, when, I, when I was coming to your class. And so she said, okay, tell him what your favorite food is. And he kind of put his head down and said, <laughs> arugula. <laughs> How can a little, you know, younger, younger, you know, six or seven or so, whatever he was at the time, it's great. He likes that, that taste because he had that encoding when the mother was pregnant. So throughout his life, no matter when he does other things, at least he's got that center where he'll go back to some kind of green. Because, you know, as a kid, you're gonna, of course you're going to eat sugar and everything else, which is fine. That's part of growing up. But at least he has that center, which is the green. So the, the heart, the main thing with main frequency of the heart is finding love. But it's not love outside of yourself. That's secondary. It's that finding that inner love of yourself. And also, it's important to find that puzzle piece. Why are you here? You're not going to find your uh, real purpose in life. You're not going to really go on that soul, your own soul journey, your own individual spiritual journey, unless you can quiet your heart and go into that quiet spot. And it takes this uh, green and other foods to help quiet that heart. This is the key to move into all the other head centers. It's, you have to go through the heart. And look at the problems we have in America, United States. So many heart diseases. Um, so this is something that we should be, you know, pay a little bit of attention to. Because it's a, it's a big, big uh, challenge in America. The next chakra we're going to move into is the throat chakra. And I like the key word with the throat chakra, I like people to remember is expressions. Mm. Not just being able to express yourself by verbally saying things, but expression as far as artistic expressions. I want to dance, I want to play an instrument, I want to paint, whatever it is, it's being able to express yourself. Now the thyroid is connected to the throat chakra. And the thyroid is kind of interesting because the thyroid has two major energy fields that are connected to the thyroid. One is, it's my turn now. How come things aren't happening for me? Everyone else got promoted. How come I was overlooked? Everyone else has uh, got a relationship, has a relationship. How come I don't have one? And if you notice, it happens mostly on women. Women have more thyroid issues. And the second main uh, field connected to the thyroid is afraid to speak out. If I say something, my boyfriend's going to leave. If I say something, I'm going to get fired. So you just hold it in, hold it in. And what happens when we hold things in without being able to express it? It's going to build up, and we have, next thing, oh, some kind of enlarged thyroid. So throat chakra is, is the, controlled by the lungs. The lungs is being able to breathe in all life has to offer, but also exhaling. Exhale the toxins in your life. We breathe in and we breathe out. We breathe in and we breathe out. And lung problems is a very big issue in America because we're not 
uh, me, part of it is the air, but we're not getting enough types of foods that will help support that lung chi. Color of the lungs is blue, and blue is symbolic of uh, <clears throat> the Akashic records being able to move into that expansive expression of something else out there. We move forward to the <clears throat> Ajna Center, which is the third eye. The third eye uh, is a point there called Yintang in Chinese uh, medicine, acupuncture. And the third eye is, is uh, indigo color. In indigo, this is the first chakra that's really connected with your higher intuition. Now the third chakra has uh, a intuition where you say you have a gut feeling. The heart also has an intuitive part to it, but now we're getting to a little higher intuition as we go through the Ajna Center. In the last chakra, I'm just going to briefly touch on it, the crown chakra. The crown chakra is the gateway to everything. There's more than, there's many, many, many steps above the crown chakra, above the Sahasrara, but this is the, this is the gateway into wherever you want to go in life. So those are the, those are the main the seven main chakras. We have uh, other chakras uh, in the system I'm using the Hindu system. There's 13 major chakras, but actually there's more chakras above the head um, than just the uh, crown chakra. And so those are you know in a nutshell those are those are the those are the chakras. And so when I'm treating somebody or, or teaching uh, other acupuncturists how to treat and what kind of diagnosis or kind of analysis you're going to make, we're working with the chakras. So if a certain chakra is off, let's say your second chakra is off, you'll know there's something possibly with relationships, with um, sexual energy, maybe with finances. Now, of course, there's a physical component to it, your, your lower back or anything connected to your kidneys. But... We wanted to work with a little bit more higher vibration than just the physical. So this is like a very, very quick rundown on the seven chakra system that's incorporated into esoteric acupuncture. It's, a, it's quick, but it's very stimulating in the sense that I really like the way that you combine the sacred geometry. And a lot of people in different fields discuss sacred geometries, and they find these sacred geometries in nature in different aspects of designs of shells and leaves and flowers, number of things. And the way you combine this with all of uh, or many of the deep philosophical teachings through many of the cultures, and it all comes together to, to a point. Well, the, uh, that, one, that one diagram, when it showed the yantra, it just means we are all connected. Everything is connected. All consciousness is connected. We're connected. Everything that's out there is connected to us. How do we access that? So sacred geometry, the way I am presenting it and the way it's been being presented through esoteric acupuncture is a way that some practitioners can use, actually use it. It's nice to have a theory about esoteric this or that or sacred geometry. How can we use it? So I put it in a format that you can actually use the 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 dynamics and the energies and the esoteric teachings within sacred geometry on your clientele to help bring out something else out. Right. And again, that's what Magical Medical Tour is about. It's about achieving higher levels of health and, and potentially either preventing or preparing for different issues as we go through life. 
I wanted to ask you uh, a question. Do you ever uh, needle yourself? Uh, sometimes. But I'm lucky I have a wife that's also an acupuncturist, so <laughs> she, you know, hey, I love, need I love needles. If I was really smart, I'd get it every day, but, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, we're both tired, but, oh, yeah, I love needles. <laughs> that's great. Christina, when, when I first started acupuncture school, I knew how to needle before I even thought. I used to get some of my wife's needles and just needle myself. Needle different parts, my arms, my legs, and I, I knew how to just without a tube. I just take the needle out, and because I knew how to needle already. Wow. So now you know, only once in a while I'll needle myself, but you know, I usually have my wife needle me. I I have another question. We are we're in the world right now. We're in a a place where Western medicine uh, prevails, and Western medicine. Uh, deals with uh, double-blind studies and placebo-controlled meta-analysis and prospective randomized control with two- and three-arm type of processes to prove something one way or another. Do you see that in either acupuncture or esoteric acupuncture as being something that in the future there'll be some studies that can be done, or are there any now? Uh, there may be some studies in the future, but this this is this is the idea is if we go into someone else's field, we're not utilizing what's our power. We're, it's like this trying to go into a, a beauty contest and the criteria is blonde hair, blue eyes. What if you don't have blonde hair, blue eyes? You're gonna dye your hair or bleach your hair and wear um, blue contact lenses. This double blind reproducibility is not a strength of acupuncture. Mm -hmm. If you had the same exact same points done on two consecutive days or a week apart or a month apart, you cannot reproduce the same results because part of it's consciousness. So it's not in our best interest to try to use the criteria of another system to try to prove or disprove something. Although I think in China they're probably using some types of uh, studies like that, but Reproducibility is something very, very difficult with acupuncture. If you have an aspirin, it has to work on someone that drinks and eats anything, or someone's a vegetarian, or if it's in Alaska or in the desert. Right. But with acupuncture, your foods that you eat is going to, you know, change the way you receive the energies and uh, how you consciously understand the energies, and depending on the place you are. So the reproducibility is not one of our powers. Although I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, that is not something I foresee as you know, the most beneficial to our profession. Uh, I, I, I get that. Uh, I think that at some point we're going to have to have another discussion with you just about consciousness. Uh, we've talked to many different uh, practitioners on this show about their definitions of consciousness, and I would love to get yours at some point. But uh, we are at the point of our show, it's been very full, but this is the time where we always ask for a health tip, and we're fortunate to have uh, you back for a second show, so we get another uh, health tip from you. Do you have something to share with us today? Many years ago, and, I, and I, I'm not sure, but in our clinics, there was a few postcards. Someone left a little postcard. And I wanted these postcards. I actually use it, uh, the quote in my book, Support the Mountain. And I, I couldn't figure out, because that day we were really busy, I couldn't figure out who left this postcard. They didn't leave a name, but the postcard said, it was, it was written by a Japanese uh, uh, man, Yobi uh, Yamada. 
And it said, if you don't take care of your body, where will you live? <laughs> but, if, but see, if you think about that, it's really not just taking care of the physical, because what it really means is we are not the physical. We are this spiritual consciousness coming into our body at this particular lifetime. But while we're here, uh, if we don't take care of our house, you know, where are we going to survive? So mm. as long as uh, we have the spiritual journey in our physical, um, you know, I ask people, if you're not sure, whatever you're eating, you say to yourself, this is going to become a part of who I am. This is going to become part of my brain, part of my whatever. And if it's okay, then enjoy it. But if you have doubts, then maybe you should have make another choice. So if you don't take care of your body, where will you live? <laughs> Great health tip. Christina, any thoughts? Oh, no, I'm still thinking of the health tip. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, it's true. Where will you live? We just tend to take care of the, the things around us so much more than we take care of our own bodies. You know, and that's the one I always use on men. You take care of your car better than you take care of yourself. <laughs> so thank you so much. Oh, this has been such a thrill. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been my pleasure. Yeah. I would like to thank uh, our guest, Dr. Mikio Sanke, for sharing his wisdom and expertise with us and his journey. I would also like to thank all of my teachers and healers to allow me to go on my journey, thanking Christina and Segovia and all of those in Yoga Hub for the opportunity, including all the people that are watching and supporting our uh, our episodes and our journey. So thank you, Dr. Mikio Sanke. It's been a pleasure. And until next week, when we search for another uh, portion of the healthcare galaxy for uh, our visitors and for our journeyers, I wish everyone optimal health. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Mikio Sanke. Oh, Again, thank you. such an honor to have you here with us. And, and I hope this is just the beginning, of course. <laughs> shall see. Thank you so much. <laughs> and of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. Let me remind you that you can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, and of course through his own website, glennwoman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor, Square Breath. We are always grateful for any feedback and suggestions that you might have. Um, may I remind you that if you have any questions for our special guest, you can always uh, use the comment box on the screen, and we will make sure to forward it to our guest to um, uh, get an answer for you, and we will reply. So until then, please uh, leave us your comment and your feedback at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. YHTV's Trinity of Life. 
Come join me, Christina Suzama, as I journey to find the many modalities that support individuals, from children to adults to elders, with topics ranging from health and wellness, meditation, and inspirational stories. I invite you to visit yogahub.tv every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So the way esoteric acupuncture works, if you have certain key patterns, you add a few points, like in Chinese um, herbology. So the same thing as in esoteric acupuncture, we have a set amount of points. We add three or six or whatever, and we have another formula. So if you go through sequencing of the books, you'll notice as you get further on, we have a little bit more complex patterns. Uh, esoteric acupuncture is a work in progress. It wasn't like I had everything together in 1995 or even 1999. It's still a work in progress. So as I'm also working on the inner world, inner planes, and being able to more clearly download uh, this wisdom, I can transmit it out to the, to the um, public.